0: Well, hello. Good morning. Well, it's great to see each of you here today. But I think it's more exciting that none of you left after Mark said I was preaching today. So, good on you. It's a great start. My name is Boaz. Most of you probably know me as one of our worship leaders here. But today, it's my honor and privilege to be able to look into one of the six kings in our new series. But before we do, Let me start by asking you this question. How many of you have maybe once or many times before forgotten to charge your phone at night? Anyone? Oh, it's great to know I'm not the only one then. Now, how many of you have had that phone's battery die on you during your day? Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? It's frustrating. Because without your phone, how are you going to make those phone calls at work? Or how are you going to be able to text message people or check your emails? Without your phone, what are you going to do on the train? Or when you're standing in line waiting for your coffee? (laughs) If only you had plugged your phone in to charge at night. I mean, it's so simple, isn't it? Like, before you sleep, turn to your bedside table, grab your phone, grab your charger and plug it in. It's that simple. And it makes sense that we do it before we go to bed. But sometimes we forget, or we get complacent, or sometimes we just get our priorities mixed up. And when you think about it, life is very much the same way. Now, sometimes life can get really busy and messy and a little bit tiring, that we find that our priorities get a little bit mixed up. For example, rather than eating and drinking the right sort of things, we find new reasons to indulge. Rather than spending time with our kids after a long, tiring day at work, we continually retreat into our own spaces. Instead of working towards paying off our debt, we convince ourselves that this will be the last thing we'll buy, I I promise, this is the last thing I'll buy. Life can get so complicated by itself But throw in a situation or two where your priorities are all wrong. And it doesn't take long before things get a little bit out of hand. And that's why we train ourselves, isn't it? We train ourselves to to get some exercise. We train ourselves to to meet deadlines, to attend our annual checkups. We train ourselves to remember to pack lunches for the kids. Because getting our priorities right helps us to avoid any unnecessary consequences later on. But if there's one priority that stands above everything else in life, if there's one priority that if we do not get right, we'll see the world around us crumble, it is this. It is our priority for God. What do I mean by that? Well, rather than telling you, let me show you. There's a man in the Bible who teaches us how important it is to get our priorities for God right. In fact, it's about a king, King Asa, a ruler of the kingdom of Judah. After David and Solomon comes Asa, as the first Judean king who is said to have done good in the eyes of the Lord. But if we examine his rule as king in 2nd Chronicles chapter 14 to 16, we can see that his life is divided into two parts. The first part of his life sees him prioritize God and he does good in the eyes of the Lord. Now he removes uh, sacred altars, smashes stones and, and you know, commands all of Judah to seek the Lord. He even dismisses his own grandmother as the queen mother because she made idols for worship. And as we'll see later on, Asa's zeal and heart for God sees him turn to the Lord, even in the face of battle. And because of his obedience and devotion to God, Asa is blessed with peace and prosperity for the first part of his life. Sadly, the second part of his reign is where his priorities change. As he faces battle with Israel, Asa does something different. Rather than turning to God for help, Asa moves on his own, he relies on himself, his own abilities and resources. Now God is not his priority anymore. And for the rest of his life, he lives distant and indifferent to God. A tragic end to a wonderful life of blessing and prosperity with God. There's so much that we can learn from Asa's story. But in our time together, let's just look at three let's unpack three observations that we can make from Asa's story as he tells us what it means to prioritize God. So firstly, prioritizing God requires effort. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, way to go Boaz for pointing out the obvious. Of course, prioritizing anything requires effort. Yes, yes, I know, it sounds so obvious. But remind me again, how many of us forgot to charge our phones at night? (laughs) It sounds so obvious, but I think it needs to be said. Because for many of us, we've not prioritized God for a very long time. And we wonder why our relationship with God is the way it is, or why the things around us are crumbling the way they are. If this is you, let's start here. Let's make it clear that if we want to prioritize God in our lives it requires effort. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 in verse 2 it tells us that Asa did was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. But look at why that is. In verse 3 and note his actions here it says he removed the foreign altars and high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the asher poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. Sorry, but I don't think these foreign altars and high places would have removed themselves. These sacred stones and asher poles wouldn't volunteer to be smashed. No, it was effort on us's part. Your Bible won't read itself. Our behavior and our language and the gossip that we take part in won't fix itself. If we're caught up in something that's wrong or dishonest, making it right will require effort on our part. For most of us, loving loving others and praying for those who hurt us aren't things that come naturally to us. It requires effort. Because like anything else in this world, it takes effort to do something that is important to you. There's a story of a young woman who was on holiday in the depths of Louisiana in the States. She genuinely wanted a a, a pair of alligator shoes, but was very reluctant to pay the high prices that the local vendors were demanding. After becoming very frustrated with the no-haggle attitude of one of these shopkeepers, the woman shouted, maybe I'll just go out and get my own alligator shoes. Then I'll get a pair of shoes at a reasonable price. The shopkeeper said, by all means, be my guest. Maybe you'll luck out and catch yourself a big one. Determined, the woman turned and headed for the swamps, set on catching herself an alligator. Later that day, the shopkeeper was driving home when he spotted the the young woman standing waist-deep in the water, shotgun in hand. Just then, a huge three-meter alligator was swimming quickly towards her. She took aim, killed the creature, and with a great deal of effort, hauled it onto the swamp bank. The shopkeeper watched in amazement, soon noticing that nearby were several more dead alligators. Just then, the woman flipped the alligator on his back uh, and shouted out in frustration, oh, for crying out loud. This one isn't wearing any shoes either. (laughs) While she isn't the sharpest tool in the shed, she shows us that if something is important to you, you have to put an effort to make it happen. And because Asa knows that faithfulness and obedience to God demands purity right across his kingdom. He shows us that if, if you're going to prioritize God in your life, it requires effort. And secondly, prioritizing God accompanies reward. Look at what happens when Asa prioritizes God. In verse 5, we're told that under Asa's rule, the kingdom was at peace. But make no mistake about it. It is God who gives him peace. See the following verse, in verse 6. It says, No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Why? Verse 7. Because we have sought the Lord our God, he has given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. Because they applied themselves to seek the Lord, to live in obedience to him, God blesses them with a peaceful and prosperous life. But not only that, look at verse 8. Here Asa marches out into battle against Zerah the Cushite. And with Asa, he goes with him 300,000 from Judah and another 280,000 from Benjamin. That's an army of just over half a million. And in verse 9, We're told that Zerah, the enemy, had an army of thousands upon thousands or literally thousands of thousands. One million, basically. In other words, Asa was heavily outnumbered. But look at what he does. In verse 11, it says, Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we, Rely on you. And in your name, we have come up against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. How did God respond? Verse 12. The Lord struck down the Kushites before Asa and Judites. The Kushites fled, and Asa and his armies pursued them. Such a great number of Kushites fell that they could not recover they were crushed before the Lord and His forces. If we prioritize God as our God, living according to His purposes and His commands, we can stand in the face of battle, knowing that we can pray with confidence that God will fight our battles. Because when we get our priorities right, you can be certain that there will be rewards to enjoy. Unlike this story of a couple who were going on holiday and they were standing in line at the airport waiting to check their their bags in at the counter. The husband said to the wife, I wish we bought that piano. The wife said, why? We've got 16 bags already. The husband said, yes, I know. But the airplane tickets are on the piano. When we get our priorities right you can be certain that there will be rewards to enjoy and not the consequences of getting it wrong. For many of us, we've been Christians for years. And sometimes the message of prioritizing God becomes so familiar. We become so calloused that actually in reality, God doesn't really have a heart's. He doesn't have a complete devotion. And yet, as we can see from Asa, truly prioritizing God comes with wonderful blessings that only God can provide. Now, I'm not saying that his blessings to us are guaranteed to be the same as what Asa had when he had peace and prosperity and victory. God could give us all of that. Yes, he very well could. But please understand that the rewards of prioritizing God goes much deeper than material blessings. When He is first in your life, and everything is in their proper order, we more often than not enjoy a healthy marriage. Prioritizing God means that our integrity is upheld wherever we are, which then protects us on the day of trouble. When He is first, and we cry out to Him, Scripture tells us that he hears the prayers of the righteous. Yes, it takes effort to prioritize God, but the cost of putting him first in our lives is never without reward. Prioritizing God accompanies reward. And thirdly, prioritizing God changes history. After 35 years of walking with God, something happens in Asa's heart. In chapter 16, the king of Israel comes up against Asa, but here Asa's plan to battle Israel is to get help from another kingdom, the kingdom of Aram, and he does this by sending a a tribute of silver and gold that he collects from his palace and the Lord's temple, but look at why this is a problem. In verse seven, it says, at that time Hanani the seer or or the prophet came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped your hands. But not only that, the second half of verse nine continues, you have done a foolish thing and from now on, you will be at war. After walking with God for 35 years, Asa's priority changes. He no longer looks to God for help. But imagine if he did. Imagine if Asa's priorities didn't change. The Bible would probably read something like this. At the time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the Lord your God, And not on the king of Aram. Their army has been delivered into your hands. And not only that, you have done a wise thing. And from now on, you will have no more wars. History would have been different if Asa had continued to prioritize God. He would have avoided more pain and suffering that God knew was just around the corner. But because he relied on himself and had pushed God aside, history sees a tragic end to a man who had it all. Sue and I, we have two kids who are aged three and five. One of the things that always amazes me as a parent is how sometimes they just don't seem to listen to you. Any parents can agree with me? Yep. They just don't seem to listen, despite you telling them again and again. Because we have quite a long drive in our house. Um, the kids enjoy playing outside. But on a, on a summer day, sometimes they'll slip their thongs on. And then I'll, I'll tell the kids, kids, listen, you've got your thongs on. So don't run here, okay? Don't run here. Because if you fall down, it's, it's going to be painful. Look, the ground is hard. It's, it's, it's rough. So if you fa- fall down, it's, it's going to be owie Alright, listen to daddy, don't run. After two minutes, what do you think they were doing? (laughs) Running and running and running and bam! Someone is crying. If only they had listened to me. If only they had remembered that listening to daddy is always a good idea. They would have saved themselves the pain and the tears. Like a parent, God is saying to you, listen to me, put me first, follow me, and I'll save you the pain and the tears. We'll change history. What might you be going through right now? Maybe some of you are facing pressures at work where you're being pushed to compromise on some of your principles or you're wondering if you should insist that we come to church every Sunday, or if you're wondering if we should be watching or listening to that, when actually if Jesus was sitting there right next to you, you probably wouldn't. I'm not saying that prioritizing God is an easy thing to do. But I know that when we prioritize God, we're changing history. So what can we do? In the face of life's challenges and uncertainties, how can we respond? Well, let me offer you two suggestions, two things that we can draw from the text that shows us what it looks like to prioritize God. The first thing we can do is that when we face opposition, remember, strength comes from Him. When Asa was confronted by Hanani, the seer, Hanani said something that we skip by. It's in the first half of verse 9. And he says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. In other words, God sees us all. He sees us where we're at. But perhaps more importantly, He sees whether our hearts are fully devoted to Him, whether we're willing and ready to live for Him. He's not looking for people who have it all figured out. He's not looking for anyone who's perfect. No, God is looking for anyone who will say, God, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. But here is my heart. Here is my life. Won't you take it? And his promise to us is that when we do, he will strengthen us he will show us that he's got this. We don't need to strive and, 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 and claw and toil over the things that the world fights for. When Asa marched out into battle in the first part of his life, he saw the, the mighty hand of God swooping in and fighting on his behalf. I can picture how if, if I were Asa, and I stood before a multitude of infantry in battle, but saw the miraculous happen with God, stepping in and and wiping them all out, I would be deeply encouraged. I would be strengthened by what I had witnessed. Because there's nothing quite like seeing God's hand in your life, especially in the face of adversity. Many of you know Don and Cheryl Lum, who are two wonderful people here at Barrow. But for those of you who might not know, they're the parents of Chantel, one of our worship leaders here. Anyway, on the 1st of May, Don and Cheryl were due to fly to the US. But unfortunately, not long before their flights, they both tested positive for COVID, which meant they couldn't make their flights and would have to rebook. And sadly, rebooking meant that they would have to pay a fee of $2,000. Well, Chantel shared the situation in her women's group, and during that night, Nicole Riddle thought, hey, you know what? We're going to pray for a miracle with this. We don't know what God might do here, but we're going to pray that God would do something that only God can do. And so they prayed, and they committed the situation to God. And later on, Chantel told her mom, Cheryl, that they had prayed for them. Well, not long after... Cheryl rings Chantel and says, Chantel, you won't believe it. God has answered our prayers. Qantas, they've just informed us that they've had to cancel the flights and our rebooking is on them. We don't have to pay a thing. How good is God when he steps in and saves us? What is the uphill battle that you face today? What is the multitude in front of you? Your health? Your marriage? Deadlines? Disruptions of plans? Salvation of a loved one? Whatever it is, God is saying to you, look to me, turn to me, make me your priority. Then I'll show you what I can do. When you face opposition, Remember, strength comes from him. And secondly, when you fall, remember to come back to him. The tragedy of Asa's story is that even after he relies on himself, on his own resources, after, even after being confronted by Hanani the seer, Asa still refuses to turn to the Lord for help. In chapter 16, in verse 12, it says that in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And even though the disease was severe, he still refused to turn to the Lord for help, but only from the physicians. While Asa's story is over, your story isn't. You have a choice. In this journey of life, it's up to you if you would choose to commit as Asa did in the first part of his life, where his heart and devotion was fully committed to God, putting in the effort and giving it his all to live for him. Or you can choose to live as Asa did in the second part of his reign, where he refused to turn to the Lord for help, being drawn to his own desires and passions and and purposes, relying on his own abilities and strengths, The choice is yours. But I know that as people, we can all fall. We can all mess things up with God. Maybe some of you are thinking, if only you knew what I've done. If only you've known how long I've strayed. I haven't read my Bible in years. My heart is cold. I don't deserve to come back. There's no way God would take me back. As we close, let me tell you this story. Listen to this story that Max Locator writes in his book. It's a story of a young Brazilian girl called Cristina who lived with her mother Maria in a poor Brazilian neighborhood. The furnishings were modest, a pallet on either side of the room, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove. Christina spoke often of going to the city, dreaming of trading her dusty neighborhood for a better, more exciting city life. But just the thought of this horrified the mother. And so despite her warnings not to go, Maria's heart broke one morning when she found that Christina had gone. Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter... Maria quickly threw some clothes in the bag, gathered up all her money, and ran out of the house. And on her way to the bus stop, she entered the drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself. With a purse full of black and white photos, she boarded the next bus for Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money, she also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. So Maria began her search bars, hotels, nightclubs, anywhere with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to them all, and at each place, she left her picture. And on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before the money and the, and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to a small village. It was a few weeks later that Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was in too many ways too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat and and she walked across the room and removed the small photo written on the back was this compelling invitation and it read whatever you've done whatever you've become it doesn't matter come home within the pages of the Bible. There's a note for you. And God writes, whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Come home. Father, right now, in this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we look to you, O oh Lord God. Father, we want to say we are sorry for messing it up. For the times that we failed to put you first, we failed to prioritize you. God, in this place, if there's any of us, Lord God, who has strayed for a very long time and we've not come back to you in years even, Lord, or if there's any of us, Lord, who have not put you first at all in our lives, but this is the day, Lord, we want to set you first. Father, I pray for us that you please help us with your love, Lord God, that just overflows and by your grace that we can come back to you. Won't you please forgive us, Lord? And if, Lord God, there's any of us, Lord, where our relationship with you is like never before, where it's on fire and it's as good as it's ever been, Father, we praise you, we thank you, Lord, that even in that, you are there, you're holding us. But we know that as people, We can all fall, we can mess it all up. So Lord God, whether or not we've been with you and walking with you faithfully in all this time, or we strayed away from you in all all the the recent years, Father, right now in, in this place, we look to you. We say, Lord God, I want to give my life to you. I want to prioritize my life for you. I thank you for your love, I thank you for your grace, that is so undeserving. Thank you for your word. Won't you be pleased with our lives and be glorified because we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.